Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your host, Joshua Gray. Hi, welcome to the Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Gray, and joining me today are uh, three experts on what we need to do when, you know, sometimes we have folks that come here and and sometimes they have needs that we can't exactly meet. It's uh, very few and far between. We are a very uh, multifaceted facility here, and there's a lot of things we can do, but sometimes there's just that one little thing that we can't do, so we have to send folks out into the community. And so here to join me today to talk about our community care program is Samantha Matthews. She is the Chief of Community Care. I have Siobhan Martin. She is the Assistant Chief of Community Care. And Dr. Monica Rollins-Mainer. She is our Chief of Administrative Medicine. Ladies, thanks for joining me. Thank you Thank for you. having us. Excellent. So, so for folks who aren't really familiar with the term or the program community care, and, and whoever wants to jump on this one, this this is a, a, a question for the group. Uh, what exactly is the community care program? So community care is essentially um, our sort of lifeline out into community vendors, right? It's our providers that are here um, all around the valley, uh, and it's to sort of circumvent the things that we can't um, provide right so as you talked about uh, you know if there's a certain specialty that we're not able to um, recruit a, a specialty provider we would send them out into the community for that if the patients actually live in a rural part of the valley and it's difficult for them to get to our facility they can be eligible for community care. So it's really a a network of providers that are um, all around um, in in the community so that they can actually help veterans be seen timely. Okay, and so I know a couple of years ago there was some legislation passed and things like that about wait times and, and, and things like that. So is this something that that falls under also? Like if somebody doesn't get the opportunity to be seen as quickly as they would want to, you know, they always have that option to go out into and find their own care, right? Um, is, is, does this fall under that program too? Absolutely. So, you know, primarily the eligibility criteria, one of the two that I already sort of discussed, um, drive time eligibility, you know, if you're out in a rural location and need to come in for specialty, then um, you may be eligible for community care, uh, as well as wait times. So our specialists, there are some mandates that came out of all of um that that require that we are able to see patients within a certain time frame, usually 28 days for specialty. Um, and there's different ones for, for different things, but specialty here is probably what we utilize most out in the community. And with those, um, you know, you have, uh, you may be eligible. I keep saying that may, because not everybody meets criteria, so. So what is the process then to, to determining if somebody meets the criteria? You know, I, I imagine there's a lot of back and forth and, and things like that. So so how, uh, and, and that probably is, is I would assume, where the, the crux of your, your work comes in. So how, how do you judge all of those, those, those criteria? So here at our facility, we actually have instituted a referral coordination team. And when the order is placed for care in the community, 
that team contacts the veteran to let them know and provide them the information so they can make an informed decision as to whether or not they would want to, as to whether or not what the wait times here at our facility are versus out in the community. And then the veteran can make their uh, decision as to how they want to proceed with getting their care. I think one thing that should be added on is with the veteran selecting the uh, place that they want to go, we do have to ensure that the vendors are uh, a part of our, tr our care in the community for network. It just can't be anyone. Because we want to make sure that the quality of care that the veterans are getting in the community are, is at the same level that they would get here at our facility. So we just aren't letting them go to any Joe Schmo on the street. We want to ensure that they're going to get good care. And we've got good relationships with those vendors in the community. So is, is Nellis and, and Michael Callahan, is that folded into that at all? Because I know we have sharing agreements and, and folks go back and forth. So where does kind of, where does Michael Callahan kind of fit into that, if it, if it does at all? They do, actually. Uh, we have several services that we uh, partner with Michael Callahan uh, Medical Center for, uh, orthopedics being one of them, cardiology being another, for which they do see our, our veterans. In addition to that, we also partner with our Vision 21, our region, to uh, provide services through our clinical resources hub. And again, that allows the veteran to go over into potentially California to be seen um, for their care. So we do have a network of providers that we try to keep all care either within the VA, either here or with our sister facilities or over at the DOD because they're kind of like a distant cousin, you know, we're sure. all government, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, right? Yeah. And then um, if we can't do that, then that's when we go outside of those different areas. Yeah, and, and you know, that was kind of, as I'm thinking about that, you know, since we have that partnership and kind of a, a sister facility hood with, um, with uh, Michael Callahan, it, it would seem to me logically like that would be the first choice mm -hmm. That, that we send them over there, especially because I know, you know, I, I, I'm a veteran. I've, you know, I've been to Mike O'Callaghan plenty of times. That's where I get my care, actually, mm -hmm. as, a, as a retiree. So I know that they're always kind of, they're always a little stressed for sometimes, depending on deployments and things like that, they're always looking for more patients to justify the amount of doctors that they have over there. So I wasn't sure how that worked and where that, you know, is, is like, okay, well, we can't see you here. We're going to send you over to Michael Callahan. And I, I don't know if that's a, a voluntary thing for a veteran or, or something like that. So again, that's the discussion that the RCI team has because they, they have all of that information as to what their wait times over at uh, Michael Callahan are versus what specialties they have too. And they'll say, hey, you know, you meet criteria for uh, care in the community, however, we can get you over at Michael Callahan, and a lot of veterans jump at that opportunity because, oh, I get to go over to the Air Force Base, and I get the opportunity to be seen over there. And it's really a, uh, a benefit and a plus because we share electronic medical records. So we get those records back very timely. We can go in the same day that they see that uh, provider, and we can see what happened. So it does help a lot of uh, those joint ventures, especially when it, at uh, Nellis and over um, with our sister facilities in California. Okay. So, Siobhan, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You know, you haven't had a chance to talk yet, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, take me a little bit inside that decision process that, that comes, you know, there's the team and everything, but like, who, how does a decision to go out into the community kind of evolve? Like, does, does the veteran just come in and say, I'm not happy here, I want 
to go out to the community or is it you know what's you know does is 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 their primary care physician saying you got to go out into the the into the into the community what's kind of how how does this decision happen okay so the veteran will go to their primary care uh, visit talk talk with their doctor and then they determine if they need to consult or not that consult is then sent over to um our consult team and then our ci reviews it to make sure that the patient can't be seen in-house or if they need to forward it over to community care if it comes over to community care, then it is reviewed by our nurses um, for eligibility and uh, whatever else they need to be done on that console. From there, it's forwarded to our PSAs who reach out to the veteran um, to get their preference of where they would like to be seen at um, that's closest to their home. Once that is done, we issue out, you know, try to put out self-scheduling to them so they can schedule the appointment on their own, which you're given seven days to reach out to that vendor and schedule the appointment and then call us back and let us know that it was done and then we update our system like that. Once that appointment has occurred, then we call the vendor to verify or the patient to verify it was done. Um, records request that so we can get the records back so our providers can review it and then we admin close the consult. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of stuff that it takes. But so so, what does it take? I mean, that you mentioned a lot of people in there. What does it take? And question for everybody: What does it take to keep everybody on the same page and everything coordinated? Because when I I hear about that many people who are involved in a process, all I see is there's a lot of opportunities for something to get missed, right? I mean, the more people you involve in a process, the more opportunities for success or failure th there are. So what does it take to, to make sure that everybody has a su successful visit? It really does take a village. <laughs> and sure. that's what we just named, right? right. The, the, that's all the village people that are in there. So yeah, um, you know, so there there are opportunities where things can fall through the cracks, but actually we work really well together. We We huddle on a weekly basis, if not more than that. Um, we have the internal uh, consult team, you know, if you choose to get your care uh, within the facility, we have those folks on there, we have community care folks on there, and we have RCI um, and some other folks on there. So that way we can share sort of information. You know, as we know that we're losing a provider, say, um, internally, you know, sort of gearing up for what's the plan on addressing patients because we know that means, you know, potentially. That's a care shortfall, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, having that information up front so that we can coordinate um, a whole lot better uh, and offer veterans the choice, know what's going on. And then, again, a lot of that has to, to do with, you know, having those conversations where we involve veterans and in making the, the choices that they need to make. The system prior to um, referral coordination team was essentially you just had to make a blind choice. Do I want to go to the community? Do I want to stay in-house? I know it's Vegas and we like to gamble, but it is a crapshoot <laughs> on which one had better wait times. So, you know, you could go down one path only to find out, you know, uh, that the community actually, say for rheumatology, it's a very specialized field. We don't have a lot of depth in the community. And just because we had a 35 day wait time internally, but in the community, it could be eight months to a year, if not more sometimes for that. You've now kind of taken yourself out of the running within, you know, getting that 35 day appointment um, and could have potentially pushed it out even further by making that choice. RCI has enabled us to, 
you know, look at both options, understand that, have those conversations with veterans so that they are making a better choice about what they want to do from the beginning. Um, and even going back to, you know, our partners, having uh, providers sort of um, identified if you are going to go out into the community saves a lot of time um, and effort uh, because, you know, I, our veterans are active. Um, they're not all sitting by their phones or able to take calls. And so they miss, um, you know, when we do contact them. So having that information as early as when the primary care provider is, is placing the consult, if we have that from the beginning, we can start that process um, a whole lot quicker. So. And you mentioned wait times, yes. right? Um, I, I know that, you know, there's a lot of folks that hear 35 days for, for an appointment and they go, oh my, oh my that's, that's uh, how, can, how can you wait that long? Uh, what's the attitude or, or what's the reaction that you kind of have, I guess, either internally and then also from, from veterans when they go, oh, I'm going to go out into the community and they go, and then they find out that their, their wait out in the community might be 65, 70, 80 days. Like, what's, what's that like? So it could be, you know, again, it could be a mixed bag on that. Um, some veterans are actually used to that, right? I mean, if you've been in the VA long enough, you're actually used to waiting a really long time. And so if somebody said 30 days, 35 days, they'll be like, wow, that was, that's awesome, you know, and think it's great. Um, other veterans that are maybe newer into using um, the VA are kind of surprised and taken aback by that, thinking that they, they actually can get seen a whole lot sooner. Um, so again, just knowing sort of what the market is as far as our community providers, knowing what our internal wait times are, um, and being able to share that with patients up front, I think allows them to make that more informed choice um, when they are trying to determine that. Um, you look like you want to say something over there, my police officer. So by all means, jump in. <laughs> Go for it. No, I was just thinking that, um, you know, in community care, we do recognize the fact that there are going to be wait times in the community and in the VA. But we do take that time to review every consult to determine the level of urgency of getting a, a veteran scheduled to ensure that we get them scheduled timely and to get their care. So I, I think that is something that we definitely do look at. Um, and while you know we're a medical desert, unfortunately, here in Las Vegas, we're a big city, but we don't have a lot in the medical community there. Um, and so I just think that setting expectations up front from whomever is submitting that consult to say, this is, this is what the process will be, this is who you're going to hear a phone call from, and, you know, going out into the community may not be the best choice, and this is why. Um, I think that is goes a long way with the veterans when they are choosing whether to stay within the VA or go out into the community. Okay, excellent. And I just want to add, sure. um, there's been times when you call a veteran um, and then they reach out to the vendor and their wait times are longer than ours. At that time, that, that patient can cancel that consult and then come back in-house and be seen. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Well, yeah. well that's, that's good to have that option, right? Like, yeah. if, if they think they're going to get a shorter wait time out in the community and they go, uh-oh, no, it doesn't. Like, right. they're not locked into that. They have that ability to backtrack and still get the shorter appointment here with us. Yes. That's that's good. That's That's good to hear. So... Anyways, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and then we'll be right back, and we're going to talk more about the community care program. Stay right here. 
You're listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. We'll be back with more right after this. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Question, what will you find on all over-the-counter or OTC medicine packages to help you choose the right drug and use it safely? The answer, the drug facts label. This label lists the medicine's active ingredients and purpose, how much to take, and warnings you should know before using it. Remember, even OTC medicines you buy without a prescription can cause side effects you don't want. So follow the information listed on the drug facts label. For more information, visit fda.gov slash drug facts label. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Welcome back to The Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related healthcare news and information. Here's your host, Joshua Gray. Welcome back to The Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Gray, joined by Samantha, Siobhan, and Dr. Monica. Ladies, thanks for joining me again, talking about community care. So one question that I had, um, when it comes to... Uh, as Vegas is growing, right, and our enrollment is growing, I, I, you know, we just celebrated the 10-year anniversary of this facility here, and you know, 10 years ago, everything was everybody was out at, at primary care clinics, out in the community, and I would imagine the community care program, such as it was then, was probably very, very busy, right? Getting people to see, be seen, specialists and everything. We come here, it kind of, kind of, we bring everybody in house. Now, as the the population of the city explodes. Um, you know, are you seeing more visits out into the community or are we able to keep up with recruitment here internally to be able to, to, to handle the patient load or, or as things grow here, like, like how is that impacting community care? It's actually impacting community care a lot. Um, we are not able to recruit for as many, um, providers as we need here. Um, and so we, in, in all areas, um, I don't think there's any area that I can think of off the top of my head that is, you know, doesn't have some level of, of, of vacancy. But, um, you know, I, I was actually pulling this information for something else that uh, we have coming up. But uh, just from FY19, you know, for FY19, we sent out 63,000 consults into the community. Um, and this year, which we're actually not even done with this fiscal year, I pulled it and we're at 75,000 already. 
just in that time frame. I no, is that calendar year or fiscal year? It was fiscal year, okay. but um, you know, because uh, you know we're the yeah, government, we're, yeah, we, we right. run everything by that. Our, our, um, year, our year only has a month left in it, so that's kind of a relevant it time is. frame for that statistic. That's why exactly. I and you know, just looking at that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a twenty percent increase from you know. And the reason I said FY nineteen is because of prior okay. to COVID, sure. right? Yep. COVID, you know, caused a little bit uh, of a lull as far as what we were sending out because, you know. Everything went to telehealth. It, and it did. Like and now. so things were limited out in the community as well as, you know, within the facility. Um, and so just that alone kind of had me taken aback that uh, we probably aren't as staffed up as we need to be in all areas to be able to continue to increase at that rate. Um, you know, that's something that we look at. We um, we call it business planning. Mm -hmm. We look at it. We assess our staffing. We assess our growth and then try to project what we need. But I feel like we're always at a deficit <laughs> in trying to, uh, you know, staff things up as we go. What are, what are some of the things that you do then to kind of combat that? Is there a way that, that, that veterans can kind of help themselves get this process along? Absolutely. Um, we have a self-scheduling process that uh, allows veterans, again, to choose the provider within network. Um, we want them to, to be a part of that decision. Um, we can, if they let us know who that provider is, then we can go ahead and uh, base the authorization off of that. We send that right out uh, to the veteran. Uh, they have the ability to schedule that appointment within seven days. They can call us back. Um, they don't have to call in and get a live person. We have a voicemail 24 hours, seven days a week, that you can leave the, uh, the appointment information on that line, and we update the authorization based off of that. Uh, it's an episode of care, right? So, you know, we want to make sure that the episode is reflected accurately um, if you make an appointment out in the community and it's not for another 30 days, we will adjust that authorization to the actual date of the appointment so that way you have more opportunity to get all the follow-up care that you need to within that referral and um, not necessarily have to keep contacting us. So, you know, it empowers the veterans to be able to make those appointments, not have to wait on us. Sometimes there can be um, some delays with that because obviously we prioritize based on, you know, need high-risk consults, things that have to be addressed um, a, a lot sooner will take precedence over, say, something fairly routine um, out in the community. So. so we have, you know, here at the VA, we have a lot of uh, virtual means to help people and electronic means and apps and, and things, you know, VA, vir visual, VA Virtual Connect and, and, and My Healthy Vet and Vet Text and all of these other things. So uh, how does community care, I guess, integrate into some of those systems as far as like maybe Vet Text or something like that? So VetText is another wonderful option that we've enabled. Um, it, if we know your appointment and we have that recorded, it will shoot you a text message reminding you of your appointment out in the community. Um, uh, the day after your appointment, it'll send you another text message asking you, did you attend that appointment, yes or no? If they did, then we can go right into pulling that information and then contacting that community provider and requesting those records right away so that we have those um, that sort of closes out that episode of care. 
um, they also have the ability, the providers, to request additional services if they need it. But it allows us to do that a lot more timely. You know, if you're a primary care provider and you send your patient out into the community, you want to know what happened when they were out in the community. And so getting those records quickly and um, back into our system so that everyone can access that and see that um, has really been beneficial. So, you know, we're trying to utilize the technology as much as possible and make it as easy on veterans as possible to be able to let us know what they're doing um, and not have to go sort of the old school method of only calling in between a certain time frame on certain days of the week and wait in a queue for a really long time for a person to just get that information. So when it comes to you know community care, it sounds like we're talking about things that are that are they're very deliberate and very scheduled and things like that. Um, where does like if if I'm a veteran and I get sick and I just go to the urgent care, does does that fall end up falling under uh, community care after the fact? Like if they have to process all of that, or how, how does that work? So with um, the there's an urgent care benefit that is a part of the uh, community care, and so what the veteran would need to do is um, go to the urgent care facility that is listed on a VA website, um, and they would tell them that they're there to use their urgent care benefit. And again, urgent care is something that doesn't necessarily need to see your primary care doctor or it's after hours or on the weekends. But um, cold, flu, um, sprained ankle, those types of things. So they can utilize that urgent care benefit. Now, if there's an emergency, a true emergency, loss of life, loss of limb, loss of sight, then we definitely want you to go to the closest emergency room. But when the veteran gets there, they let them know that I want to use my VA benefit and alert the VA. And that allows us to follow them while they're hospitalized to understand what's um, going on. So they do have those two um, benefits that are through the Office of Community Care um, for urgent care and emergency care. Excellent. Well, those are really all the questions I have. If, uh, do, does anybody have anything they want to add about the program or anything I may have missed and didn't get to? I would think um, something to know as part of the uh, community care benefit, durable medical equipment, so walkers, canes, uh, splints for your foot, that is something that is included in the community care consult if you are sent out into the community. So um, we do have a process here at the VA. You don't have to return back to your primary care doctor to write that prescription. Um, there is a process for that. So those are included. Um, other services uh, that are a part of some of the, uh, it's a part of the episodes of care medication. So if a medication is written by a vendor in the community, that is sent to our community care pharmacy and the pharmacy fills it to be mailed out to the veteran. So I think that's something else that is a part of community care that some veterans may not be aware of. Awesome. Oh no, I was gonna say uh, being able to get a 14 day supply of medication. So, you know, if you, uh, while you're waiting for your uh, medication to be mailed out to you, if it's something that you need to start right away, they can write a prescription that you can take to a local pharmacy, get a 14 day supply of that, um, to allow them time to be able to mail that out to you. So that is another um, benefit that, that I think doesn't get utilized far as often as it could. Awesome. Well, that's all I have for this. So ladies, thank you for joining me. And um, I'm Joshua Gray. This has been the Nine Line Podcast, and we'll see you in two weeks. You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. 
For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash lasvegasva. Thanks for listening. Thank you.